Welcome to another episode with the Market Dominance Guys, a program about the innovators, idealists, and the entrepreneurs who thrive and die in the high-stakes world of building a startup company. We explore in the cookbooks, guidebooks, and magic beans needed to grow your business. Are you providing your reps with excellent sales training only to find that most of them drift slowly back to their old behavior? In today's podcast, Jerry Hill, Regional VP, EMEA of Connect and Sell, and Shane Mahi, founder and CEO of Sales Driven, join our market dominance guy, Chris Beal, to discuss the solution to sales rep drift. Using the analogy of machinery that drifts out of tolerance and requires maintenance for necessary adjustments, the guys discuss the necessity and effectiveness of sales coaching in real time. The solution success hinges on catching and correcting those little or big errors in message, tone, and pacing before your reps run through your list and have nothing to show for it. Vigilance and just-in-time coaching. All that and more on today's Market Dominance Guys episode, Do You Catch Their Drift? Where were you guys running yesterday? Which production system? Were you running on, the, on 10X on the big one? Yeah, 10x SA1. Uh, I was going to go take a look, but I, I I hate to admit to everybody, but I screwed up my password and I got locked out of 10x. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm running, I'm but running what I was going to look at is this. Shane, you said something shocking. Everybody in the audience should have freaked out, torn their head off and nailed it to a coffee table. And that is, you said that you pivoted during the test drive. Now, I don't think most people know what a test drive is. So take us through the basic stats. So who are you calling? What were you trying to do? How many people did you have on your team? And then how long did it go on? And about how many, you know, dials were done for you? How many conversations did you have? How many meetings did you set? How many referrals did you get? How many follow-ups did you set? What was the average time that it took for somebody to get a conversation? Within that context, you can just be high level. Jerry can look it up too. I would have looked it up. And we all have the bad luck that I actually do this all the time. So I know what those numbers are. But I don't know what yours are. I just kind of remember them. Jerry, you could you could give us that. Here's the interesting thing. The cycle time to your first adjustment was approximately what? Because I think the test drive only went on for two or three hours, right? How long was it before you actually did something, changed a variable, and then you put that into practice and then read the result off? It Obviously, if it all took place in three hours, this is math, by the way, everybody look out. I'm about to do some math on you here. Oh, the math of inequalities, okay? So the cycle time was less than three hours, but how long was it for real? And, and then follow-up question is, in the real world, going forward, you know, say you, your guys are in the weapon all the time, you're taking over the world, you know, life is uh, <laughs> kind of fast. How often per day, whatever, for any given engagement? Because you're being many companies at that point. You're you're yeah. this company, you're that company, you're this other company. Each one's got to be on its own improvement cycle. Do you actually see making adjustments, improvements, and so forth as often as once a day? Or is it a once a week thing, once a month? Or, hey, they paid us some money, screw them. Well, no, you have to, you, we always have to make certain pivots in any campaign. But if we use a direct example where people can take the most value yesterday, calling VPs, directors and above, CROs at uh, 5 million to 100 million, uh, IT related computer software companies, four people on the team, 
Yes, three hours on the phone, three hours and one minute and 42 seconds to be exact was the exact time that we were on there, just to be specific. In the first, I would say, hour and a half-ish, we had come into our second session. We had went on to not saying anything, but we had went on to the connect and sell list and we understood that it had been fatigued. So quick pivot, guys, the, the team immediately, Shane, like they are calling right now, Shane, we are not getting anywhere with this. We need to change. We need to change. And that's my team's feedback. That's how active yeah. they are. Change to this list, bang, started getting the, right. the connection again. Connection, connection. I, I'd, I'd actually, because I was observing the first sort of hour or so, Chris, I'd actually say that the first adjustment came eight minutes and 12 seconds in. Was that with Sirard on the coaching? Yeah, we coached Siraj. He was sounding quite robotic yeah. on the breakthrough. We made the adjustment after four conversations. He was getting a conversation every two minutes, one second. And then he we set made that adjustment. Meetings. Then he went on to set six meetings. All right. I want everybody in the audience to go back, replay what Jerry just said. <laughs> replay it as often as it takes to eat up that many minutes that he talked about. So you could probably get it in there 14 times. And imagine a world where in minutes you're making material adjustments that take a rep who is heavily armed, going fast, same list, same everything, modify one thing about the rep through coaching, as Jerry said, the fourth leg of the stool, and you go from from output of zero to output of six meetings in less than the remaining two hours and 50 minutes or whatever. That to me is, that's the key. So the thing that we never had in manufacturing that we, can have in sales. If you think of sales as a manufacturing process for generating potential future business, right? Some of it, its potential becomes 100% because you signed the deal, but you still aren't there because there's going to be renewals. There's, there's always, it's a world of pushing uncertainty ahead of you in various ways, trying to reduce uncertainty and get that potential to become actual, but you don't control a lot, right? In manufacturing, we feel like we control a lot because we get stuff down to standard and within tolerances, and then we lock it in, right? I'm going to make, I'm Intel, I'm making chips, I get everything set up on that big fab. Okay, guys, now, you know, until it starts to produce some crappy chips, we're making chips. As long as we can stay in silicon and gold and whatever else we put in these damn things, right? But sales sounds a little bit different in that our processor, the machine, is a human being. And they drift out of tolerance very, very quickly, but it opens up this beautiful opportunity, if only we saw it correctly, which is that coaching in real time, done well, can actually keep our machines, and I I think of myself as one too, this is not a denigration of humans, this is us trying to be consistent. That can keep us in spec, that can keep us in tolerance. And I'm curious, because you guys are both experts on this, is it even possible for a human being to stay consistent interacting with other human beings going and in their own life? Their own life impinges on them, their blood sugar impinges on them, whatever it is, you know, they've had to eat, right? Their experience this morning, whether their cat wanted to be petted or dog shat on their foot or whatever, whatever <laughs> happened, right? Plus all those interactions during a day, they drift. 
I don't. I think drift is built into the system and is seen as a negative, but is actually a huge opportunity for competitive advantage. Because if everybody drifts, and you only address drift and you do it aggressively in real time, then in a sense you've taken the most important component, the one that can't be locked down. Because hey, your competitor might get the list right, your competitor might get the message right by stealing yours, but you can have. I believe ongoing sustained competitive advantage that compounds like compound interest by doing one thing that you probably aren't doing today, most of you in the audience, which is ongoing coaching in real time about, I'm not going to say against, about the subject of drift of the rep performance off top dead center. What do you guys think about that? So, so, so I agree. I agree. I think in the world we live in today, that, that coaching kind of needs to be a bit player-led as well. They need to come back to you with the feedback, providing you show them the evidence so that they can course correct for themselves. You know, with an aggressive coach, let's call them an SDR manager, they're probably not a coach, mm-hmm. but they need to be a coach. What do we want to do? We want to go to our rep and say, listen, just deviate it a bit from where you're normally really good. Take a listen and tell me what you think happened. That's probably the right approach in 2021, wherever we are in society. But actually getting the opportunity to segue the time and still have full production and environment for your business requirement for that person, the reason that you pay them to exist and getting that coaching, it's tough. And that's just one thing. Downstream of it, I'm going to use Refract to overlay and get that insight so that I can maybe look at this weekly if required. And then the next thing I'm looking for is consistency. Right, what do I want? I want consistency across my entire go-to-market. Rep drift has a material impact because if the handoff meeting that goes to the AE is inconsistent from the top of funnel message, you get massive deviation of value there. Mm-hmm. Right? So most people aren't going to remember the first cold call they have unless it's supremely excellent or terrible. Okay, but they're going to remember some of those emotional words that we've designed that speak to economic waste, frustration, personal waste and frustration in their business cycle. The reason they took the meeting, the reason they were curious is because we crafted those words. Those words in that next meeting need to be consistent. The words in your demo need to be consistent with whatever happened in that first cold call. The words in your closing meeting need to be consistent with what happened in the first call. Guess what? The words, if you need to go back and repitch somebody else in your business, need to be consistent with whatever happened in that first call. So everybody goes, oh, I'd like, I don't mind my SDR saying whatever it is that they need to say. If they're not policing drift, competitive advantage erodes massively because your AE that doesn't necessarily drift and stays consistent might be curating a completely different message than there was the message that was intended. Why that first cold call message so important? Because it is where the company strategy meets execution and its first point of contact. All the other stuff can be manufactured. But if I'm not consistent with that first message, I'm screwed. Like Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Connect 
Connect & Cell, welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Give your fingers a rest with Connect & Cell's patented technology. You'll load your best sales folks up with 8 to 10 times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified. Like knowing how many tears they shed while watching the end of Toy Story. Kind of qualified. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? If you're not prepared by having a solid, capable, consistent message delivered over and over and over again by people with the correct voice, <laughs> then rep drift will continue to be a place where you have value leakage before you've even got into the actual active selling motion. And that's why it's so dangerous. And that's why it needs coaching and catching early. Wow. That's the why behind it. That is a big why. So Shane, you got to execute this for lots of companies, not just one. So to the degree that we're on the hook and we are, but only for our own execution, we help other companies, but we don't do it for them, right? We deliver the conversations and we try to teach all this stuff. We run flight schools, but you know, you're stepping into the cockpit and you're flying that airplane for them. And you're telling them, I'm going to come back with good Intel and dead bodies. So For you, it's even more important, right? In a way, it seems to me it makes it easier in that the rep is the consistent thing in your world. You've got your peeps and you're going to have more over time, but it's not a different person every day. We don't. We've got you know, a thousand of them, right? And they're drifting and, they're, and we don't own their coaching and so forth. So do you think that from an outsourced top of funnel standpoint or even an outsourced anything standpoint in sales, do you actually bring competitive advantage that companies might not be able to source for themselves because of the luxury you have of coaching against drift at the rep level and being able to amortize that or leverage that across multiple relationships, whereas a company can only do it for themselves? Are you actually in the catbird seat with regard to market dominance as a mechanism? I believe so. I believe so. If I'm able to prevent that drift from happening by coaching the right way with the right technology, then I am able to provide that consistency each and every time that we deliver every single call, every single conversation, and more importantly, every single meeting. And then more importantly, with every single element of our activity backed by copious amounts of data, we're able to deliver above all competition on a consistent daily basis. So to answer the question, yes, it does help us give a a competitive advantage. Yeah, it's a fascinating element that we haven't brought out before because most of the time folks would be advised, you got to be careful of outsourcing because you won't have two things. You won't have transparency. You can't see what the hell's going on. Mm -hmm. So you don't know if they're setting tame appointments or God knows what, right? And then the other thing is that you don't have solid information flow coming back, both explicit and tacit information coming back about your market. I'm going to guess that your claim is, yeah, maybe if you do it with the wrong folks, with the wrong tooling and the wrong approach, you're actually going to get something else, which is even if you still have your own team who is working side by side, so to speak, you know, and after the same goal at the top of the funnel, you're going to get better results for two reasons. Because we over here at Sales Driven are going to do what you can't afford to do, which is essentially coach every conversation. You can't afford to do it because your sales managers are busy being sales managers. We're not sales managers. We're performance 
artists here with, uh, with, with science underneath and technology and weaponry, but we're into performance and we will perform. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to coach the performance and leave it to us. And then the other thing I think you might be able to claim is, and we're going to bring you back the information in actionable form and sometimes in actioned form. That is, if we're going to pivot after eight minutes on a campaign, don't you worry your pretty little head we're going to go to a better place or we're going to find out it's not, uh, we don't have to have a meeting about it, guys. We don't have to actually get together and say, oh, let's have a meeting to decide if the one word in the message can change or if this list is better than list, this list. We're going to do it objectively. You can trust us to do it, but we will be transparent so that you know what we did. Is that kind of the what you see as the differentiators? I think just as you said it, transparency is the key right one thing we are very very known for is being completely openly honest and transparent with everything we do not only in our verbal messages but in the activity and the fact that we can support the activity with so much evidence that is real you can't fake data you cannot fake the numbers the fact that we can support everything that we do with that amount of data that for them is enough transparency in in themselves to say look A great comment from one of our clients was, you guys are like an insurance policy. We know that everything you guys do is protecting us. If anything falls to shit on our side of the organization, you guys are there. And we have all the activity to, if we want to increase it, if we want to perform better or at a higher rate, we know from seeing the data, all we got to do is, Shane, turn this up just a little bit more. Or let me add this much more money to it. I want this kind of result. And without having the evidence, you can't do none of that. I love it. I love it. So we're approaching the uh, the end of the show here. We've got about six minutes and I've got to jump in a call. One of the things I love about this business is it's not wait for the big deal. We flow orders through this business every single day. Test drive orders, little first deals, my favorite. My favorite is the $9,500 uh, deal to put six people through flight school. It's my, if I feel bad. It's from failure to have invented that 10 years ago, (laughs) but it's good. This goes back and I want to go back to Jerry's original set of points. It seems to me that to develop the kind of insight and approach that Shane has, you have to be very, very close to the customer. You have to have your screw ups that are their pain hurt you more than it hurts them. And to me, that's one of the issues with taking venture money is you're so busy getting that next customer is so busy, I'll say, making it appear that you're doing the things that would reduce churn, even if you can't tell they are. You're so concerned about yourself because you have this big pile of money that it's hard to be properly concerned about the customer, which to me is not some ethical thing. It's not like, oh, good people are concerned about their customer and bad people aren't. It's like... Uh, Edward Abbey said this once, a famous a writer of the American Southwest who, who wrote uh, some pretty radical kinds of, of things, including a very beautiful book, uh, Desert Solitaire. He once said, you want good drivers? Strap them to the bumper, right? You'll get good drivers. And, you know, Shane, you've strapped yourself to the bumper. And Jerry, I think you, you've said something which is the rough equivalent, which is if somebody isn't strapped to the bumper, their chances of learning what really works all the way through what Jeffrey Moore calls the whole product 
are pretty close to zero, especially if that learning or since that learning has to involve operational execution that itself is hard to come by because there's plenty of variables. We only have four, thank God. How long did it take us to discover four? Well, Jerry just added one. So we, yesterday we saw, thought we had three. So clearly we're still learning, right? Now we have four. We have, and I agree with you, Jerry. I think the coaching variable is truly independent. I'm going to leave you with the last word on this, Jerry. Is there a hope of market dominance for folks who don't take the approach that you've suggested, which is that they engage with execution and they turn their hypotheses into actual measured outcomes and they iterate and they don't cushion themselves from that reality with a big pile of fluffy money that keeps them from being able to feel it. So so I'm probably going to give you the answer that you're not expecting. And there are outliers that exist in the world. The big problem is we've now got a trend to copycat those outliers. The outliers of the companies that have got really robust product-led growth get to IPO without really having to actively sell products. I'm thinking Dropbox or, you know, Datadog, those kinds of orgs. And everybody with a software code in their product believes that they can now do PLG. They can't. And they have got no hypothesis to defend that strategy with a go-to-market plan that has to be driven by sales and marketing activity. And they'll fail because they don't have a scientific measure for helping them determine product market fit in the first place, scaling product market fit to the niche that they identify of being able to serve first order crossing the chasm to second product market fit for the next market that they want to take because guess what they're in a rush to follow a trend copy cut a whole bunch of people that managed to get it right once first time out the gate and believe that that's the only way you can grow your business full cycle where does it end up put plg in your fundraising deck on the go-to-market slide investors going to give us money because now we don't have any sales and marketing friction in our process they're doomed to fail nine times out of ten so long answer to a short question (laughs) but a hell of an answer i love it i love it all right so we always do this at the end of the show everybody does this with me when i'm a podcast guest hey if anybody wants to get a hold of you guys i'm gonna go first with uh, shane and then with jerry how in the world can they do it? Say, Shane, somebody is so smart. They listen to this and go, wait a minute. I want me some of that sales driven. Right? <laughs> or say, Jerry, somebody listens to this and goes, well, I probably want me some of that sales driven, but I got I got my team and I want to turn them into sales drivers here with the weapon. <laughs> so I'm going to go, you know, Shane first, then Jerry. Shane, how do people get a hold of you and which ones are you going to pay attention to and who are you going to ignore? Easy, easy go to LinkedIn, salesdriven.com, S sales, like the word sales, D-R-I-I-V-N.com. I'm going to pay attention to people that they are willing to learn. They're open to grow. They're open to innovation. They're open to ideas. And they're willing to try something new. And I do not want to work with people that are stuck in their old ways, want to do things like dinosaurs, and think like the old age models are going to still work. So in a nutshell, that's me. 
How about you, Jerry? What how do folks get a hold of you and and who are you gonna pay um, attention to? I'll pay to attention to anyone with the appropriate check attached to the conversation. No, I'm only kidding. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, no, 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 no. How do they get a hold of me? Uh, it's really easy. It's plus four four seven seven oh two oh three four oh eight one. I think I've appeared on about eighteen podcasts this year and I've given out my mobile phone number in every single one and only two people have called me. <laughs> uh, apparently over 70,000 people in total have listened to the podcast that I've been on so two against 70,000% it either means I had nothing interesting or relevant to say or people don't want to pick up the phone and speak to me but that's it that's how you get hold of me who do I want to speak to I want to speak to CEOs who are questioning their growth imperative and trying to figure out the best way to get the market dominance fast and cheap. I love it. I want you to speak to those folks too, both of you. And I want to thank you <laughs> on behalf of all of our listeners and Corey Frank. And you guys have given me an incredible opportunity to feel. And I tell you what, I'm looking forward to continue to work with both you guys, uh, helping folks dominate markets. It's going to be pretty, pretty marvelous over the next, oh, I don't know, at least month or so maybe even two or three years. So uh, thanks so much for being on. And uh, for everybody here at Market Dominance, guys, thanks, Susan. Uh, we're, uh, we're happy to be here bringing you great folks like this and look forward to next time. Today's show is also brought to you by UncommonPro.com. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer or investor is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's really time to go big, you need an uncommon methodology to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. Through a modern and innovative sales and scripting tool set, we offer a guiding hand to ambitious leaders in their quest to reach market dominance. It's time to get uncommon with UncommonPro.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe.